Hi there. I'm Francoise Von Trapp, and this is the 3D Insights Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's day three at Semi-Industry Strategy Symposium at the lovely Ritz-Carlton in Half Moon Bay. And I am here having breakfast with some of my semi-sisters, and we've never done this before, just kind of done a a roundtable podcast where not everybody has their own microphone, so we're just going to see how it goes, and it's going to be super organic and probably not edited. So welcome, everybody. Um, let's go around to the table, and everybody just give me your name and the company you work for. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm Debbie Gustafson with Energetic Technology. Good morning. I'm Meg Conkling, and I'm with Vico Instruments. Hi, I'm Emerald Gregg, and I'm with Surplus Global. Good morning. I'm Kat Nyland, and I'm with Rogue Valley Micro Devices. So, ladies, it's day three. What are you, what's been different this year? Twenty percent of the attendees are women. They made that announcement Woo. yesterday. And, I know. Woo. And we can have this podcast, and there's still women around who aren't, having, that, who aren't here. Who aren't I know, here. right? <laughs> I noticed that the, there was actually a line at the bathroom. In the women's bathroom, that was the first. Was, never yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've always liked about the semiconductor industry is that they didn't have to wait to go to the bathroom. But, Absolutely. Right. Usually the average is five to seven women, and you know all of them. Right. So I, I'm actually overwhelmed. So not only are we getting out of our Zoom prisons, but we're all getting together at a wonderful conference and catching up. And this is the place to be, I think. For, and, and you look at all the things that are going on in the industry, this is the place where you find out what's really going on. Exactly, and I should add that um, ISS is generally the upper-level management teams, right? It's leadership yes. of the company. So that, that that's representing 20% of women being here is that much more in leadership. So that's kind of cool, I think. It is. I think the energy of the conference is lively. It seems more collaborative. Collaborative. More, you know, everybody's talking to everybody. There's not as many social circles as we've seen in before. It seems like everybody's talking with everybody and it's nice. And you see a mix of both men and women, you know, a a diversity of these conversations on who's having them. And there were more women presenters. Yeah. And they were great. They were. Mm. There were, and women. um, Yes. Women presenters, women session leaders. Yep. Mm -hmm. And last night at dinner, it was 50% women at my table. There you go. Month. Wow. You're, you're the popular character. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe that was it. I don't know. <laughs> and I didn't yeah. dance on the table. Yeah, and I think, I think one of the big messages that I got, other than the industry and where we're at, is the collaboration. I think everyone here coming out of COVID, everyone has been challenged. Everyone has had issues. And we all look at each other and go, okay, what can we do to help each other? Which, which is unusual. I, I can say that's an unusual tone of a conference to kind of add to what's going on. Do, do you think that men became a little more aware of what we have to deal with when um, women are, you know, had to go home and have run their businesses and maybe still take care of kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. yeah, because that's a good point. Because many yeah. people had both of them working at home, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Which kids. is why so men have right. been, you know, more yeah. awareness. Right. Of, Wife and husband right, working exactly. at home together on like two different desks or two different rooms. Opposite sides of the house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the marriages that survive. Yes. <laughs> they're yeah. gonna, they're, How did you do? 
Oh, it, yeah. Actually, my husband and I live in different houses. So. <laughs> <laughs> just weekend marriage. Is oh, I think man. if we were both, because we're both in the industry, You're back in the industry, yes, yeah. because he, he owned a restaurant that was two hours away from, oh. from where my work is. So we kind of live, you know, apart during the week. So that worked okay. I think it would have been very hard, you know, to be working at home and our kids are out of the house as well. But I think just all of that, it was hard. I had a lot of people working, you know, working at, at, uh, at my company, right? That's mm-hmm. tough yeah. with the kids. Yeah. yeah. I'm very grateful that my children were out of college, had moved on, yes. and weren't living with, well, mm-hmm. they, yeah, weren't really living with me at mm-hmm. the time. So anyhow... Um, I have to make a comment about, because I've worked from home since 2009, so it was interesting to see what the past two years gone, and the things that I noticed different were video calls. I used to never do video calls. Um, Instant messaging became huge, and I saw the breakdown of silos when talking to companies. You know, I would talk to this department or that department, but being everybody on you know, video chats, everybody came together for that company. And I thought that was a really interesting aspect that the silo part of companies kind of decreased. I agree. And it was really easy to join a Zoom call. I think at one point I had, with some new business that was going on, I had 37 people on the call, which which you've never had 37 people in a meeting, right? So I think it adds to that. People want to know what's going on and how can they help right. and collaborate. Right. And, and they, you they're can productive. See individual people on video versus a room, like when it's a video conference with the cam- one camera and the room. Right. You have no idea who's there, yeah, right? right? I think it, it, there's a lot more engagement when people yes. are mm-hmm. yeah. individually on their screens. Right. And so. people can input more, right? right. They yeah. feel more comfortable to say something yeah. versus if you're in a meeting. Yeah. I, th- I think so. Did you yeah. feel like you had to show up in... Do you want to join? Yes, yeah, she does. Yeah, sure. Come on. Okay. We've got more sure. people joining us. This is great. We, we can't have too many. Otherwise, they'll all be here and they won't be over there. <laughs> We're going to have exactly. to pass around the microphone. This is It's really going to be an interesting recording because I don't usually do more than three. Yes. So, But then we could be a panel. We could be a panel yes. in the next few years. <laughs> I want to say that as you were in the house and you saw what the responsibilities, I want to go back to that because, you know, as we know, we have people that have helped us and we outsource a lot because women, right? Women, women that have uh, high-level responsibilities, we have to outsource because there aren't enough of us, right? But I noticed with COVID, you couldn't outsource. You know, you couldn't get people in to help much, right? Because you're in the home. So it took even more level, high level program management going on and, and partnership with your with your spouse, your, whoever was in the household. So I think it helped bond, you know, the, the cohesiveness of it either, like you said, you either, it was good or it was, I don't know, I think we didn't need a separate house. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to comment on that as well. Lupa, I like that idea. Lupa the Lupa just joined us from Lamb Research and Nurissa Drager, also from Lamb, Lamb Research. So we've just been talking about, um, as people are joining, we've just been talking about um, being a woman at ISS and the, how the numbers have changed and just kind of morphed into a conversation about how we've navigated the, um, the, the, uh, the pandemic. And um, people were going to know how much I mess up because I'm not editing. <laughs> so welcome. Uh, would you like to share a little bit of your backstory? 
Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Let's see. Um, yes, I have been in the industry my entire career. Uh, I started in electronic materials, um, had a e-commerce startup back in 2000, a little ahead of its time. Um, it was a dot bomb. And uh, <laughs> dot bomb, you know, not everybody knows that uh, term anymore. Um, and then actually spent five years at Semi. So I've been involved with ISS from all angles, from a presenter, from a conference organizer, from a committee member. It's a great event. And then I joined LAM about 15 years ago. And what is your role at LAM? I'm vice president of strategy and innovation in the office of the CTO. Okay. Has everybody here, I'm not an engineer. Mm-hmm. Or have a technical background. I have an English and communications background. Um, is there anyone else that is not an engineer, have an, an engineering background? I have a zoology degree. That's great. Zoology? Wow. wow. Yeah. wow. That, that helps you deal with the animals of the industry. That's, that's, that's why I got the job when they first started. They said, oh, you have a zoology degree. You'll fit in. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Awesome. I think the rest of us are engineers. Okay. Well, and, and yeah. technical background. Who has a PhD? Nurse has a PhD. Yeah. Yes. Oh. <laughs> she has a PhD. I thought we'd get the technical PhD. perspective, too. Yeah, I started in the industry as an SRC, Semiconductor Research Corporation Fellow, um, oh, wow. and did engineering technical work, always at the early side, so corporate R&D, new product development for a number of years before becoming more and more sucked into the corporate side of things, and now I'm director of our global university research engagements. And, and what cool. do you do with that? So we engage in open innovation. How does the company innovate? I mean, we have a number of good ideas internally, but statistically, if you look at number of employees out in the world versus in the company, there's there's way more great ideas out there. So how do we bring them into LAM? And did, you, did LAM um, sponsor those students? We did. We oh, sponsored the student okay. poster yeah, session. So yes. I, yeah, I saw that. That, that was... Mm-hmm. That was really great. And those mm-hmm. students were awesome. Get yeah. up, getting up on the stage and being able to present their research. And, and that one girl had her resume and the QR code. I was like, good for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, we have technical problems we have to solve. And that's what's really driving the research budget. I'm in the office of the CTO in Lubob's organization. But, it, you know, you've heard everybody talk over the last few days about talent, talent, talent. Mm-hmm. And those are connected. It's, it's yeah. the pipeline as well. Yeah. And that's one of the, my purposes of doing this um, roundtable interview is to talk about um, our career paths and to inspire um, younger people who might be listening, how they can get into the semiconductor industry, what, you know, is, is there a glass ceiling, have we broken through the glass ceiling, um, you know, can you expect to only, you know, it seems here that we have a lot of women in leadership, well, obviously it's ISS, so you're a woman in leadership, but what would you say to women who are thinking about either either studying a careers in STEM or um, what their what they can expect their career path to be like. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Now. 
want me to start? Sure. I, I think Debbie. it's uh, Debbie. Hi, it's Debbie. Um, <laughs> I think it's a it's a great opportunity, and as everybody knows, the semiconductor industry is booming right now. And for me, I've been in the industry also most of my career, thirty years. It's changing every day, and every day you get to learn new technology and and meet new people, and it's it's a excellent career. And you know, I started as field service engineer and worked my way up to CEO. So anything is possible. Meg, how about you? Yeah, actually, Debbie and I were both field engineers within one year of each other. So almost thirty-eight years ago, I started, and um, I can I can say emphatically that the industry and the changes that, you know, there is not a glass ceiling anymore, in my opinion, based on where I was in 1984. I think that women have more opportunities now than they've ever had. Um, You can, you know, obviously it's a dedication. It's something that you have to look long term. You can't get into the industry and say, hey, I want to be a director in three years. You know, you definitely have to put your, you know, put your time and know and understand. It's a very complex ecosystem of companies, um, but there are women here to help, and we are all here to help each other as well as other, anyone that's coming up through, through the ranks, so to speak. So that's what I would say. And do you think that happens? Do you think there's a lot of um, women lifting women up? I think more historically no I think but yes now absolutely more more. absolutely more otherwise we wouldn't be having this when we're here right 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 I I personally think semiconductor industry is the best industry to be in (laughs) I know right because because I don't think that a lot of the young generation understand that you don't just have to be an engineer to be here Right. You could do marketing, advertising, you can do sustainability, you can do a lot of things that you have a passion for. But one thing that I will tell you, and Semi does a good job on this, is trying to find mentors for you. Mm-hmm. All right. So when I came up there as an engineer, I didn't have like an official mentor, but I had guys that were like my friends or, you know, that worked with me, helped me, you know, it was like team. It was a very team effort. And I think that you don't get that in a lot of industries. I do think that the relationship between men and women, one of the things I've always liked about this industry is the men in the industry. Being willing to teach me as a non-technical person, I've always loved interviewing the guys that are so happy to explain what they do because I actually wanted to listen and hear what they did um, and and learn about it. And they're really great at explaining things. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I, I mean... It's the most advanced industry in the world. You get the opportunity to work with some of the smartest people in the world, both from the technical side and the business side. I mean, it's it's a challenging business, right? It, and, and it's gone through um, a lot of growth. So um, I, I would say absolutely pursue a career in semi for the long term. And um, don't be afraid to, to say what you want to do. You know, step up, take risks, um, and, and be an advocate for yourself, but also make sure you have other advocates. Um, and I think there's the sky is the limit in the industry, especially for the future. Uh, yeah, this is Kat from Rogue Valley Micro Devices. I'm one of the non-engineering, and I think my advice to people is you don't need to be, everybody thinks, you know, semiconductor, you have to have the engineering degree, you have to have the research background. And that's not the case. I got in because I had enough um, chemistry and enough physics and that within my degree. And you talk about mentors. And one of the people that turned my mind when I first started in was Carrie Holland. At the time, she was CTO of IPEC. And I started at IPEC. And 
her door always open talking to whoever they were giving you you know she just made it she made me realize that I could do anything within this whatever I put my mind to and it was a big big turning point for me um I do say with with people coming into jobs and that one of the things that I've learned over my years that I've done is know your know your industry because once you start once you start your career while you can train industry you can change industries you lose the perspective of going into another industry because they're so different and this industry really has a lot of benefits for anybody and going and you can the global communication within this industry is amazing. So that's, that's you know, I just I, I look at the kids coming up and the opportunities they have and it's I'm excited for them. Listening to the, the students talk yesterday. It's so exciting and I remember being in their shoes. But they don't seem terrified. I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I think this generation of kids is a lot more confident. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they, they are, are also advocate. I have two daughters. They're twins. They're 27. And they have confidence. And one of them's becoming, getting her PhD. And the other one is in content strategy and works for online school. Um, and they're both, you know, they're, they're always giving me advice. Yeah. You know, mom, you're not getting paid enough. <laughs> and I said, well, you don't understand. They're trade-offs. It's not always enough for money. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, oh, that's uh, funny. That's great. Yeah, they're, they're great. Um, but I do think they're, you know, they're the generation that is really starting to um, look. And, you know, I think that we have to encourage not just STEM education, but really educate on what the semiconductor industry is because there's, we're in a lot of competition with other industries for STEM students or STEM degrees. And they all want to save the world and make the world a better place, and they're all concerned about sustainability. And, and to recruit them in to help with... Um, semi, you know, help the semiconductor industry become more sustainable is, I think, a really important message to get out there that we need. That they, these are the kids who have studied sustainability in school. They know what you know is needed. And um, well, there there are very few other industries that spend thirty percent on R and D. So if anybody wants to innovate, this is the industry to do it. Whether it's yeah. related to sustainability or hardcore engineering, I mean. Yep. There are really, really hard technical problems to solve, mm-hmm. um, and innovation and, is our life. Yeah, I want to say that one of the things that's happening in the semiconductor industry right now that wasn't uh, very recently was artificial intelligence and how to use data science to uh, predict modeling and semiconductor processing. Uh, it is a huge, it will probably 10x the resources eventually based on what's happening. Um, and that obviously is a you know software, 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 software. I don't think... Uh, folks understand how important that is to our industry because you know folks want to graduate and go to Google and Facebook and right. but no no this this is where it's at this is where it's happening. I do think we as an industry have the responsibility to also educate the staff and teachers of the mm-hmm. upcoming generations about our industry because I don't think on their end especially in the rural areas of states and that they understand the potential for kids going in, even without college degrees, where they can go in in this industry. Well, I mean, even my mom doesn't know what a semiconductor is, right? I'm in the computer industry. (laughs) I talk with a lot of students in my role, and 
And first, I tell them the semiconductor industry is great because it's constantly reinventing the technology. It's not stagnant. You're never going to be bored. I mean, you probably went into engineering and seeking a graduate degree because you like to solve problems. We've got lots of them. So come to us. We've got lots but, of problems. Yeah. But it's also, it's no longer an industry where if you start as a product engineer or a field engineer, no one tells you you have to stay in your lane. You know, we want people to bring their whole selves to work. So I, you know, I always say you have this engineering science background and you have some passion. Maybe you really like data science or you're really into environmental sustainability or you love communications and bring that, you know, use that together with your science background and that's going to be like your superpower in the company. We'll find a way to use that. So to bring that as well. So what do you think is the best way for students to know about these companies? Because when you talk to students, they're like, you go applied materials, land research, who? Tokyo Electron. I mean, they do. A lot of them still do that in engineering. How do you think we as an industry gets get the word out? I think the, co the companies themselves need to become more involved in their communities and really get the word out about themselves. And I think it's, you know, it happens in Silicon Valley, and um, but there are companies all across, well, all across the world, um, if they can work on their local area. Um, you know, I did an interview with... Um, Lena Nicolaitis from KLA, and we wrote a cover story for the, our yearbook, and it was about um, reaching kids as early as kindergarten, not just to teach them about STEM, but to teach them about the semiconductor industry. And KLA actually goes into the field, they go into the schools, um, and they work one-on-one -on -one with teachers and students, and they've oh, been doing great. a fabulous job. And, you know, I, I'm really proud of the cover because we created this... Um, this image of a little girl playing with a toy clean room. <laughs> a toy clean we had, we had, um, in fact, there was a lamb. There was awesome. a lamb tool. Um, we that Lena has these little, um, you know, five inch three D printed models, and I saw them in her office. I'm like, we got to do something with these. So she sent them, and we gave them to our graphic designer, and he. We got little play school guys. <laughs> Oh, and wow. and and it's yeah. because, because the idea is when little kids are th playing career, yeah. you right. know they there's Dolls, there's yeah, right. firemen, right? Firemen. There's little you know there's play school hospitals. There's you know the whole Playmobil. There's actually a Playmobil um, chemistry lab, oh. and because we had to get that to get the little people, <laughs> oh. we couldn't get the clean room suits. We looked and looked and looked to find little people with clean room suits, but they, we didn't. So we had to kind of um, you know tweak that. But you can see the little tool. And I really think that the equipment companies need to get together and create like at the computer history museum or somewhere you know in those um discovery museums the children's discovery museums get little tiny clean room suits and little tiny tools where they have the foops they can put on and off and put the wafers in and you know just play play clean room that's a great idea that is a good yes. idea that is a, that's a really good idea Right. Yeah. So I challenge you all to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I put my name on <laughs> So that you can tell your daughter you make more. Yeah. <laughs> we, do we know somebody and, and, at Lego? Yeah. yeah that's Lego. Right? Right? Teach licensing. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. 
there you go. We should, that's, right, a, that's our next project. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Does anybody know the CEO of Lego? Yeah. I can't. You know, I can't do everything who's, myself, who's, but I can give you the yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think right. we should wrap it up, ladies. This is great, and uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank and, you, um, I guarantee this will be definitely a rough cut that we go live with, but I think it's a good way to start. I've never, like I said before, I've never had this many people around this few mi these few microphones. So. Um, and, but thank you for the conversation. I think it was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. Thanks, Francis. Thank we'll you. See, you, see you next year. Yeah. Yeah. See you next year. <laughs> we'll see you at Semicon West. See me at Semicon West. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Take care. Thank you. There's lots more to come, so tune in next time to the 3D Insights Podcast. The 3D Insights Podcast is a production of 3D Insights, LLC.